Skype is telling me that I should legally acknowledge that I am now recording all of you. So I didn't agree to this. I'm going to touch my hat in a certain way to let you guys all know that I am prisoner in this podcast and I don't agree to be recorded. I got some some textual evidence that says otherwise. I don't consent. Welcome back, you beautiful people. Glad to have you all back for another week and another episode. For those of you who don't know, this is End of Regulation back for episode 56, Georgia on my mind. Here to break down everything you missed, what to look forward to, bets, predictions, and much more. I'm pleased to be joined by the best in the biz, live from Richmond, Dr. Wells. What up, G? How we doing? Uh, you know, good week ahead of us. Uh, in case you didn't know, the Masters is this week, so it's been an exciting week. Looking forward to dig into it. Absolutely. Well, next up, joining us live from Jupiter, Florida, Harrison, Barrel Chest Grimes. How we doze? We do well. I don't know how that works. Um, it's Masters week, man. So, you know, what's, what's not to like? We're about to get two Masters in the span of six months. Uh, seven months? Six months? I don't give a fuck. Um, anyways. Uh, so that's Something like week. that. Something like that. Uh, I'm pretty pumped about that. So, uh, you know, things are looking up here. Well, last up on the list, live from Nashville, Tennessee. Shaky dough. Number one in our hearts. How we do is. Uh, what up? Uh, like Harrison said, it's uh, it's Masters week, so everything's everything is uh, you know looking up. So just to summarize, all three of you mentioned the Masters, so I'm thinking we're going to be discussing the Masters. Let's go ahead and kick it off. Cue the music. Second down and seven. Mahomes, Watkins, what a throw! Now you like it is your blessed. Your blessed that I chose you. You're blessed that I chose to whoop your ass next. Greatest comebacks in Masters history. One of the greatest comebacks in sports history. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we like to get the wheels moving, the motors running. We're going to open forum here with a debate tonight. Something I've been mulling around in my head. <clears throat> Everybody wants to secure the bag, but how bad do you want to secure that bag? <clears throat> Excuse me. So my question to you is, would you be willing to make enough money to live the most luxurious lifestyle only to get caught at 50 years old for some kind of crime, whether it be financial or unrelated, and you will spend the rest of your life in prison? No. I'm sorry? When would I be going to prison? Like you would start basically today. Making just bad shit. just yeah. making an absorbent amount of money, whether it be dealing, you know, money laundering, racketeering, you you name it. You're making just astronomical amounts of money, enough so that you are like Pablo Escobar status. You're bearing money. You're able to travel and do as you please with whomever, wherever. But at 50 years old, <clears throat> the feds bust down your door with enough evidence to put you away for the rest of your life. Yeah, absolutely not. 50, there's still so much to do after 50. Those are the golden years. Can't but, pass that up. But question, but question. 
Is there really? Because <laughs> I'm thinking from now until 50 when you're in the prime of your life, both physically and mentally, having an unlimited resource of everything, I'm good, man. 50 comes around, put a fucking bullet in my head. Yeah, but that's got to be a stipulation. You actually have to spend the rest of your life in prison. Yeah, can't. I mean, yeah, it's a metaphor. It's the same thing. Like, it, you spending, you might as well kill yourself. Like, you're going to be so miserable. But, like, you have 30 years to look back on of just, I mean, like, think about Leo's life times a billion. They made it look pretty cool in Shawshank. Just chilling with the homies. <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. bad. Is, is there an option to plan an escape from prison? You can Probably. do this, please. Once you're in prison, do as you want. But like the, <laughs> this isn't a distorted reality. You're still gonna like get shot if you're probably escaping. And <clears throat> all right. So do I know? Do I know that I will be going to prison or that I'm doing this bad stuff? I because mean, look. If I'm, if I'm yes. doing bad stuff, yes. then I am. I am building the evidence locker to. Just get pardoned. Like, yeah, I'm going down, but I'm taking the whole ship with me. I come out even keel, fresh start, no jail time. I'm doing it smart. Yeah, just just and I'm doing it right. up with Hunter Biden and like, you know, get him, <laughs> get him caught with like a bunch of cocaine and strippers and, and be like, hey, Joe, if you ever put me in jail, I'm releasing these photos. <laughs> all right. That's all right. We'll start. We'll start there. Although Joe will not be president in 20 years, but, you know, you get the point. Hey, who knows, man? We'll see. But true fact, I would go ahead and take that option. I think it would be incredible to travel the world and do whatever you please from now until 50. Dude, by the time we're all 50, this world is going to be just horrifying. Why? You must have just watched the David Attenborough film. No, not I'm not even talking about it from like you know a political standpoint. Tom, I'm just Tom talking, exactly about what I'm from, talking about it from everything. I'm talking about like we're we're listening to Elon Musk discuss Neuralink's being transplanted into people's heads. Like, dude, not a world I want to live in. Eh, we'll, see, we'll see when unless, we get there. Unless it allows me to access Nudie Magazine Day. Yeah, you, yeah, you do. That's, that's actually—he, I think he tweeted that out. That was going to be one of his his features. Oh, that's awesome. All right, well, let's move on and wrap up the entertainment segment. I just wanted to pitch this out to you guys because with COVID still running course, we've been faced with quarantine, canceled sports, chaos, and much more. But one agenda item that I think has been way overlooked is the future of the entertainment industry, and I'm talking about the stopping of production of films, television shows, stuff that's already in the midst of production that has come to a halt. We're now at a place right now where, like, I'm asking you guys a question. What is left? Like, I'm going back watching The Wire, Entourage, Sopranos, which is amazing, but, like... I've been watching... Uh, I've been running back Dexter, good Netflix show. That's um, you know, you're kind of like the Dexter, serious killer. I hardly type. even know her. <laughs> uh, it's it's a good show, and I only recently restarted watching it because it came out that the directors are like re redoing either the last season or the last episode because of how like tremendously bad the initial ending was. I'm not going to spoil it, but I could have, you know, a monkey could have come up with a better ending than what was shown on TV. We should have. 
taken advantage of that opportunity and rewritten the ending. I've seen it. I I thought it was a great show. Ooh, it would be like uh, when the Sunny Gang remakes uh, or makes Lethal Weapon five. Oh yeah, absolutely. It would be like that and Thundergun Express combined. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and roll into what we are here tonight for, and that is, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> the Masters. Uh, if you are not already, you got to make sure that Georgia is on your mind this week because we are tuning in on Thursday, November 12th at 1 p.m. for tee-off. We've got Harry Grimes here who's going to talk to you a little bit about the course layout, and then we're going to throw out some expert 2020 Masters picks, people you should look out for, some sleepers, sure winners, and people to avoid. So, Harry, why don't you start us off and discuss Augusta a little bit, the type of uh, player that excels here, people that are going to hit some yeah. obstacles. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, we've all seen Augusta on TV and everything like that plenty of times. I think it's going to play a little bit different, being that it's in November as opposed to its usual April. Um, it's not a particularly long course. So while, you know, some guys will be able to overpower the course, we're looking at like the Brysons of the world who are going to literally try to hit every par five and two. It really is a precision golf course. Um, I think total is about 7,400 yards. That's not a, t a lot for these guys. Um, we've seen in, in the past, we've seen like Louis Oosthuizen show up and play really well at Augusta. We've seen Zach Johnson show up and play really well at Augusta. Guys who really don't hit the ball very far. I, I don't even think they carry the ball 300 yards. Um, but it, but it's it's a it's a shot maker's course. Um, it's certainly not easy. You're not going to get flat lies in, in most places, but uh, you're going to have to you know hit your targets. If you don't, you're going to be you know looking at, at making pars or birdies uh, or excuse me or bogeys and. You know, I, I think it, it'll be interesting to see how much different it is without fans uh, in, in colder conditions, weather conditions. The grass is going to be, you know, I was reading up a bit about the grass is going to be different. It's, it's generally a Bermuda grass golf course. Um, they actually did like a topsoil layer of ryegrass to, to keep it like looking green and, and pretty. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that affects play, how that affects, you know, the ball flight. I, I also saw they're going to be growing out the rough. Um, there's just going to be like a lot of different nuanced things at, at Augusta that are going to change the way that players attack this course. Um, Shakes, is there anything you would, you would add in there? Uh, no, I, like you said, I, I saw pictures a few weeks back, uh, of the dormant Bermuda grass, which obviously that's why, you know, in the, in the South, uh, most golf courses are Bermuda grass because of the heat. Uh, but you know, in the winter, it does get cold enough in most areas that, uh, quote unquote kills the grass you know it goes dormant the whole golf course was basically yellow you know brown and uh yeah they they just uh you know they overseed it with with rye because uh rye can keep growing in the winter so it is back it is nice obviously looking green and healthy but yeah that is gonna affect things for sure uh mainly chipping um you know i i think i just think close shots are are uh honestly a lot more favorable uh without the bermuda grass so um, I, I kind of expect scores to be a little bit lower. And also I kind of expect the golf course to be a little bit wetter as they've been trying to, you know, kind of revive it uh, from dormancy. So I don't know. I expect, you know, we've seen um, one of the recent years, or I guess one of the years Zach Johnson won, you know, scores were close to even par. We've seen that multiple times over the last 10 years. We've also seen, you know, uh, Augusta kind of go down and, and get scored on pretty easily. So I expect that to be, 
uh, the ladder this year. I expect some some lower scores, you know, maybe minus minus 13 or so to win. Yeah, I like that. And I think and we've talked about it a bit, you know, just amongst ourselves over the summer with some of the other majors that went on. And, and without fans, it really does change the the atmosphere, you know, for, for such obvious reasons. And, and we'll see how that can affect players. Um, I think some people really, you know, the Tigers of the world really feed off of that crowd energy and feed. Like, sure. you know, he's kind of got his ego just gets boosted so much when he's got all and, the crowd and the opposite. him. And yeah. as importantly, you know, like uh, when, when Tiger does get going, uh, which it's it's hard to say that about anyone else, like actually kind of instilling fear throughout the golf course, but definitely mm-hmm. back in the day. And I'm sure even today, you know, the, the fans there obviously love Tiger. Um, if they were there, you know, you would it, it's tough for the other guys to hear and feel that momentum and and keep moving forward. You know, as we saw in Tiger's prime, all they ever did was move backward. But that's changed a little bit recently. But. I, I agree. I think having no fans, um, it's it's. I mean, obviously they've gotten used to playing without fans at at regular golf tournaments, but it's just not the same as as a major tournament, and certainly not the same as Augusta. You know, where yeah. where the fan fan presence is huge. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting, but we've also kind of become numb to it. I think because of all these sports seasons that have come to an end <clears throat> that had no fans. You know, I think it was weird for everyone. And I'm, I'd be curious and interested to see if they're going to add similar to like the MLB and the NHL, you know, uh, fake sound, background noise, clapping, um, just something to fill the void of just dead silence. Because we've seen it now with the NBA, the NHL, you know, <clears throat> not necessarily the uh, NFL because they don't give a shit. <laughs> but, but it, you know. It changes the entire dynamic, and it'll be interesting to watch nonetheless. But let's move into our expert picks here. Um, I'll kick it over to Tom. We haven't heard from you in a bit. Want to hear what you're thinking for this weekend, or this week slash weekend? Yeah, I don't know about uh, expert picks, but I'll see what I can do. Um, do you guys have picks too? We can share. We do. We All right. do. All right, great. Well, we'll start at the top, I guess, and you know, Bryson DeChambeau is the early favorite floating around plus 800, uh, followed by Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Rory, Xander, Kepka. you know, those kind of round out the big guys, and it's tough because so many of these guys are in great form right now. DJ and Rahm have kind of been going at it all summer. Shoffley has continued to be that, you know, one stroke short of greatness, we all saw what the Shambo did at the U.S. Open, and you know the you can make a case for either of these guys, but I'm going with Justin Thomas. I, I just I got him at plus 1,200. Um, I just I I just have that feeling. It's his time. It's his turn to win one. You know you've seen the Bryson, the DJ, the Rom highlights all year, and on the biggest stage, I think it's time for Justin Thomas to become the next Masters champion. So he's my favorite. What about you guys? I I, uh, I got a couple guys that are kind of middle of the pack. Um, I, I'll start. I will start. Who's you know looking at Bryson DeChambeau? I actually got to watch some coverage of of the Masters yesterday, where it was it was uh, Nota Begay and and uh, Shambly, whatever the hell his first name is, and they were talking about Bryson's strategy going into this week. Um, I mentioned before that Bryson is planning on 
trying to hit every single par five and two. So what that does essentially is it's changed it from a par 71 to a par 67. So that's like his watermark at this point where like, even on a bad day, he'll still shoot under par because he's able to get Eagle and birdie opportunities on those par fives. Um, so with that being said, like throwing money on, on Bryson's probably a really good idea because of his ability to kind of overpower the course. I, I, I would hope that this course is tough enough and, and, and intimidating enough that he won't just like run away with it. Um, but some other guys that, that I do like are uh, Hideki Matsuyama finished uh, tied for second last week. Um, that's always a good, you know, a nice little signal going into Augusta that he's just playing well. He's got a good game. Um, and he's a super consistent golfer, hits a lot of fairways, hits a lot of greens. Um, that's, that's going to be a great recipe. irons player. Yeah. going to be a really good recipe for success, uh, going into Augusta. I also like Colin Morikawa, who's at plus 3,500. Um, and then the other guy, I, I hadn't seen much of him or heard much of him lately, but I do know that he plays the course well is uh, Tony Finau at plus 3,300 is another good pick. Uh, guess I'm up here. Uh, I, I guess I'll start <laughs> by saying I, I definitely think Bryson is going to put on another show this week. Um, smart money's on him, even though uh, he's the clear favorite. Um, I, I just honestly, I can't see a way. Obviously golf is golf. You got to play 72 holes. Uh, start to finish. Um, but Bryson's the best person doing it currently. Um, I do imagine we're going to see kind of, I, I guess this is going to be a, a, um, a pivotal moment in the, you know, Augusta national history. Honestly, um, I think we've seen at times throughout its history that when someone truly overpowers the golf course and, uh, just kind of changes the narrative in that week, um, Augusta is always pretty quick to adapt and, and try and prevent that from happening, at least for another generation. And they've always done a, you know, a pretty good job. Uh, so it, it kind of went from, uh, you know, the, the Nicholas Palmer days when, uh, when they were the long ball hitters to, to Greg Norman and Nick Faldo and some changes later were made. And then obviously Tiger stepped up and, and changed the golf course. And it's really, you know, been waiting for that next person to come along. And I think that's about to be this week with Bryson DeChambeau. So, uh, we'll see what he does. Um, I do, you know, I think he's going to attack the golf course the entire time. He can have some silly shots, you know, number one, um, kind of a slight bending, you know, dog leg right, par four, uh, plenty long hole. Uh, you know, lots of guys have 160, 170 yards into that green. You know, I imagine him having slip wedges, basically 110, 120 yards into into holes like this. And, you know, the, the thing Harry didn't mention about Augusta National is just, uh, obviously you don't have a lot of flat lies in the fairway, but the same thing can be said on the greens, even more so, uh, that's where you have to be on target. Uh, they're, they have the most undulation of any greens that the guys play on throughout the year. And I think that's the thing that the, the TV like fails to capture the most is just really the size of the rolling Hills and the undulations on the green. So if you're not in your spots, you know, it's tough to make birdie putts anywhere. Uh, but obviously when, when you're 50 yards closer than everyone else, it makes a huge difference. Uh, you know, coming in at the flagstick. So I like Bryson, but other than that, uh, a couple guys I've got my eye on for sure would be Colin Marikawa, as as Harrison mentioned. Uh, he's kind of been hot all year and is, you know, sort of become the new uh, the new young guy who you just expect to see up there every week, you know, for a long time, or at least in majors, it's, it's Tommy Fleetwood. Um, uh, Harrison mentioned earlier, uh, who's the little South African, U- Ustazen. I like him Louis. a lot, but... Uh, 
he definitely always impresses me at the Masters. Um, I wouldn't sleep on him, but I've picked out, I guess, I like Gary Woodland at 100 to 1. I mean, he's, you know, he's a solid ball striker. Uh, he's a serviceable putter. He's a major championship, uh, major championship winner. He's done it on the toughest stage at the U.S. Open. So uh, I think in a, in a funky little year like like we're seeing this year uh, and after some some time off for these guys, it wouldn't surprise me to kind of see a, a an even killed sort of sleepy guy like Gary Woodland sneak in there and, and have some value. And then uh, right behind him, actually, Brant Snedeker. Uh, Brant Snedeker is pretty known for, for some hot starts again in a, in a weird year. Uh, you kind of can could say anything could be used to your, your advantage, especially jumping out to an early lead. And uh, he's one of the hottest putters on tour when he gets hot, which is which is a nice tool to have at uh, at Augusta. So I think Brant Snedeker, I think it's basically 125 to one right now. So if I were looking some, for some value picks, it would be those two guys. Uh, but like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of all Bryson this week and uh, um, I wouldn't hate to see Louie, you know, up there at 50 to one also. So if I had to pick four, those are those. I, lo- I like that Louis pick. I actually I have him on my card. I got Louis at plus eight thousand. So make sure you're shopping around. The best uh, thing about him, dude, is just that he's got. Um, it's it's always nice uh, when you're in a major championship, especially on a kind of demanding golf course, to just have a swing you can rely on. And uh, Louis's not a guy that you see, um, you know, working the ball a ton like uh, a la Dustin Johnson or uh, you know Ricky uh, Ricky Fowler, those kind of guys. Um, he 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 kind of hits. The, he swings the same swing every single time, and uh, you know he's been close. He's been close many majors. He's been you know close in British Opens, uh, U.S. Opens, Masters. Uh, so he's not he's not a one trick pony, and uh, this golf course golf course fits him well. So yeah, I think uh, I think he was in contention last year, and he, he kind of fell off on Sunday, but very consistent, especially basically since the COVID restart. Usain's been around. Um, I'll just go down my card here. Uh, I like Justin Thomas. I said I got a little bit on Rom. Uh, Louis is a good one. And you mentioned earlier Zach Johnson's win in 2008. I think it was 2007, 2008. Oh, he has two. Well, that makes me like him even more. I found him at plus 15,000. And when you look at Zach Johnson in both, I guess both of his major or Masters wins, they've been these typical conditions. Um, It's supposed to be rainy, kind of gross all weekend. And that's favored him in the past. And with the value, I don't see why you don't take a little bit on such a big long shot. Uh, I got a couple other long shots. Kevin Kisner, another guy that's just been floating around, uh, recently playing pretty good golf. Hasn't had the greatest track record at Augusta, but I mean, it's Kiz. Plus, plus 10-5, pretty good number there. And He's then, the coolest um, guy on tour. Yeah, I mean, it would be the most fitting thing for like Barstool to get all like you know, buddy, buddy with him and then have him win the masters. Like it just, it's, it's too fitting. So I like Kevin Kisner this week. Um, and then lastly, I like to always make it interesting all week. I, I picked uh, first round winners and I have uh, one Xander Shoffley at plus 2300 to be the outright, outright leader, excuse me, on Thursday. And I also took Matthew Wolf plus 3,500 for the same bet. I think it's two guys that, you know, we've seen. They come out early. They come out quick. Um, Matthew Wolf can attack the course. He may be one of the longest drivers on tour, not named Bryson DeChambeau. And, I, you know, I really like Xander this week, but he just uh, – I don't know if he's going to have it in him. He seems to always come up one shot short. And, you know, first-round leader is something that just screams Xander Shoffley. Come out, 
just be easy, um, you know, consistent as always, put up a nice number and and try and hold on. So that's here's uh, a question for you guys. All I got. Uh, quick, Shoot. quick embrace debate right here. It's often said that Ricky Fowler is the, uh, you know, I, I guess when we were growing up, Harry, it was always easy to point to right up until you know the famous shot of Phil Mickelson leaping in the air on the 18th green at the Masters. Phil, for a long time, uh, carried the title of best player never to win a major. And now in this generation, uh, Ricky Fowler often gets, you know, bequoth that title. But is he or is it actually uh, Xander Shoffley slash um, Tommy Fleetwood? Who's who's really the best golfer, golfer to not win a major? I, I think you got to go with Ricky. The reason why I don't think Tommy Fleetwood is one of – uh, a PGA tournament on American soil. And, and I think you're right. He is, he is not. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the reason why, like that, like at least Ricky's like won tournaments and, and been in contention plenty of times. Um, and so if you're going to con- kind of compare, you know, Ricky to Phil, and then even going further to a Greg Norman, who, who was in a similar spot for a large part of his career um, and having that, that proverbial monkey on his back, I, I think Ricky kind of fits the, the bill. I think Xander, the reason I wouldn't say that yet is because he's still he's still really young. Um, I think Shoffley's only like 24 years old. 25, he's 27. I'm one. looking at it right now. 27. So, yeah. and, and I guess Ricky's not that much older. I think he might be 30, but... He's a little older. Um, but I think Shoffley still has, has some time before we start kind of throwing him into that pot as well. So I'd certainly say Ricky's sure. probably the best golfer to not win a major. Yeah. I agree. I think All it's right. a time thing. Uh, gee, you have a pick for us? I do, and uh, now that we've laid out the expert picks, I figured I'd come in with just an absolute absurd pick, uh, but not really. I think uh, the research that I've done will point to the fact that it's uh, a sneaky pick. I like to look at the sleepers. So my pick is Bernd Weisberg. Uh, he is an Austrian-born golfer who has never missed a cut at the Masters, if I've done my research properly, which is impressive all in itself. Um, to furthermore elaborate, his tee to green game uh, has been compared to both McElroy and Hatton over the last three months. So pretty solid value for a guy who's plus 15,000. I wouldn't sleep on the guy. I wouldn't necessarily put your 401k on him, um, but definitely look out for him. I was watching a couple of clips of him. I like the kid. He entertains me, and at plus fifteen thousand, with you know comparisons to Hatton and McElroy, it's not a bad bet to throw a couple bills on. I like it, but I also know that we did have uh, a last-minute message that hit uh, our group text message from a good friend of ours who is a avid golf watcher, uh, who I know wanted to get phoned in to give a hot pick on who he thinks is going to take the 2020 Masters. Tom, you want to take over on that? Thomas. You Brian Keeley. Make fucking What's up? Pie. Brian Keeley, you're live on end of regulation right now. Live to tape? Yeah, you uh, you got a minute to give us a pick here? Absolutely, sir. All right, why don't you, uh, why don't you give us your spiel, go right ahead, and let's hear who Brian Keeley likes for the 2020 well, you know, Masters. The Masters being in the fall. Big change of pace. We're going to have a new guy finally uh, 
finally break the mold this year and uh, get over that hump. That's going to be John Rom. He's going to take it home. Kevin Kisner's going to also make a pretty good run, but he's not going to get home. He struggles with the distance. Go ahead. No, uh, we were just saying earlier that uh, I'm also on Kisner. Sorry, continue. You like the kids, huh? Oh, yeah. But he struggles with distance. He's not adding any uh, power to his game. You know, he's just kind of a steady, down-the-middle guy. But, uh, yeah, I think John Rahm takes it. I think that hole-in-one sealed the deal for him today. Yeah, it was second hole-in-one of the week. This, this, is, this is the equivalent he's this he muscles the ball out there. He can work it both ways, primarily the fade. But, uh, yeah, I think he brings it home. All right. Well, uh, I appreciate it, Brian. Thanks for your take. And uh, make sure to follow us and like and subscribe on all social media. Swipe up. Swipe up. All right. Love you, Brian. Goodbye. That right. that right there is the equivalent of picking the winner of the part three contest, which has never, ever, 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 ever won uh, at Augusta. I would go ahead and say that the guy is too hot. I, uh, I mean, yeah, like he's in a bad way. Here. I'm I'm agreeing with you in the sense that, like, I think like you can't go into. You can't go into Augusta thinking you're the big swinging dick. That's kind of why that's kind of why I'm, I'm I'm while Bryson's an intriguing pick because of a lot of the reasons we laid out. That's also why I kind of want to fade him a bit is because like it's just overhyped and overhyped does not win in Vegas, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the only reason I'm not t- touching them is just I don't I don't see the value on, you know, 700. The, the favorite at Augusta hasn't won since Tiger in 2005. There's a nice stat I'd like to know. That's pretty wild. So, Keely, thank you, but no thank you. Well, <laughs> no, yeah, well, but but uh, Bryson is. Bryson is the, the the closest thing to the the next Tiger. You know, it's like we, we haven't seen anyone whose game is changing the game of golf since Tiger at that time. So why not Bryson? It's a good point. For as good, you know, for as good as Jordan Spieth was for a certain period of time, for as good as Rory has been, you know, for a while, blah, blah, blah. Did either of them, like, was anyone talking about them changing the game of golf? No. That's what people talked about with Tiger. That's what people talk about with Bryson. And yeah. Why not? Why not the favorite? Solid counter. Ten points awarded to Shakes. Are you are you sipping down a fine Ten wine right now? Yes. Uh, I wouldn't call it fine. I am sipping down a wine. Yes. Is, oh, it, a, how, is it a Cabernet Sauvignon? <laughs> it is. How are the legs? Are they good? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Super leggy. For sure. I'm getting an, an oaky, uh, nutty smell. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, I think that's all we got for uh, Masters 2020. We'll, we'll go ahead and throw up a post on the gram just to keep you guys up to date. Uh, we'll also throw up our picks so that you guys can get them in and locked. But I think this is a good time to close out and move on, do a quick little segment on the NFL, unless you guys have any last words. Uh, uh, go good, luck, good, luck, good luck to Tiger Woods. Yeah, seriously. I can't believe we didn't even talk about Tiger. Let's, let's rewind real quick. What do we think about Tiger? Yeah. I root for him every single time, but to I just don't think he's gonna. What is this? His sixth jacket? 
Uh, he's uh, got this five. would be his sixth. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. would be his sixth, which would tie Jack Nicholas for the all-time record at uh, Augusta. Um, it would also be Tiger's what 16th major. Yeah. Um, which would bring him to within two of Nicholas's 18. So of course, uh, every single one of them is huge. I think at this point, it's uh, it's it's pretty clear that like you know, other than Tory Pines or or Pebble Beach, where Tiger's been extremely successful, and he might uh, you know you know possibly draw. Um, PGA Championship or uh, or U.S. Open venues, um, you know Augusta certainly sets up well for him. Obviously, he's won five tournaments there. Um, it's a golf course he likes. I, w- I would never say he's out of it for sure. I will say uh, I have no idea where his game is currently. You know, don't know if he feels confident. I know some of the other guys are playing well, so that makes me not like Tiger's chances. But you know, before last year, I would have I would have bet that uh, that he would not win another major, and and obviously he kind of just walked at home, um, you know, in almost uh, unimpressive fashion, which in a way is is more impressive, you know, that his game could grind out uh, over everyone else's. So I don't know. Uh, I'm not – I obviously don't expect that this year, but anything can happen. So it would be – clearly it would be I, fun to see him up there in, in the final group. I will undoubtedly rip a hole in my pants if he is top 10 on Sunday. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's that's all golf needs, you know. I mean, let just he can give win me Tiger all on the leaderboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top ten. He 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 needs to be on the first page of the leaderboard every sun every Sunday, uh, especially in majors for for golf to you know even be a shell of what it once was. Just yeah. for precautionary measures, I'm thinking you shouldn't wear pants on Sunday, kid. <laughs> for sure. Um, all right, well, let's move the on. on it, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on here. Uh, we've got. A couple of things just to touch upon here in the NFL. Nothing electric about week nine, um, but there are three things that we did want to highlight that we felt were worthy of discussion. So the first being uh, trouble in Tampa. Saints take the victory 38-3. to I wrote Patriots. I'm an idiot. That's the Buccaneers. Uh, but <laughs> the reason being is because the topic of discussion, uh, as always, is Tom Brady. He threw 22 of 38 for 209 yards, three interceptions, no touchdowns, and three sacks. We can not necessarily direct our attention solely on Tom, and we can talk more so about is there concern between Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, their relationship going forward? I, I think there's there's concern about the relationship between Tom Brady and the offensive line in Tampa Bay, because that is i mean they are fucking atrocious he's not happy for sure they are so they are so horribly bad they might be the worst o-line in the the nfl i think he was like i mean the three picks were terrible i don't know if you watched the the last pick he threw he literally just threw a ball straight up in the air um with nobody around and, and of course it was picked um but, I mean, I think he was hurried nine times. He was sacked three times. Uh, I mean, he just could not have a second to breathe back there. So, I think that's more of the worry. And I think that's what's going to – what's been his frustration. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll let Tom kind of talk about maybe some of the issues lingering between him and his head coach. Well, Tom, before you dive into that, I, I hopefully this will help with it. Do you think that – and we've talked about it in the NBA with super teams and how it affects the psyche of players – do you think that it has anything to do with the fact that this NFL team is on paper the most stacked we've seen in our generation? 
Yeah, I'm, well, I think in the, the manner that it was constructed is in the sense that Brady told Arians what was going to happen. And it, it's it's sort of like a microcosm of what I was saying last week with, you know, let's be cautious of what Antonio Brown's going to do. Uh, it seems like Arians was playing the bad cop, like good cop, bad cop with him from the jump. And it, it to me, that kind of just screams that Arians has a, an issue with the fact that Oh, Brady's here. Brady brings in Gronk. Brady brings in, you know, Antonio Brown, who is probably the least desirable player in the NFL. But Brady wants him there. And I think there's definitely cause for concern between the two. I mean, it's been a bad couple weeks for the Bucs. They have some O-line things to figure out. But at the end of the day, like, it's still Tom Brady. It's still a roster loaded with talent. Uh, I feel like we haven't seen Leonard Fournette at his best yet. And I would anticipate a heavy dose of Leonard Fournette next week because they really they were down 21 nothing almost instantly. And that, you know, that that's something that nobody's really talking about is when you have to drop back and pass and you have to score quickly and you have to score, you know, basically every possession. You're basically limited to just throwing the ball downfield. And the Saints knew that they you know D-line pinned their ears back and. That's that's a mean D line too. Like I don't want to discredit the Saints. They have a serious front, and I I, I don't know. Maybe it's just uh, the Saints have their number. It's, Sean Payton has their number, but it was uh it, it was definitely eye opening. But I'm still not overly concerned for the Buccaneers. As far as talent goes, I'm not concerned. I you know I will reverse back to what you mentioned. Uh, you know, Bruce Arians saying, you know, Tom, come on in, you steer the ship. I trust you. I think that sets the relationship up for failure. He's the head coach. I understand that, you know, Tom has always been kind of this leader that we've seen take charge, uh, and win championships. But at the end of the day, I think Bruce's ego is going to get involved. I think we've seen it on interview, whether it's to get to Brady to kind of put a little fire under his ass or not, you know, mentioning and highlighting that he's not targeting Mike Evans enough. Um, it's just not something you want to see from your head coach to your franchise quarterback. Uh, so, you know, I don't think that these guys are a, a total disaster, but I think the inner workings, if they're not fixed, could just result in absolute internal decay, especially now that AB is involved because, once that diva is involved in anything, there's drama. Yeah, let's just play him Antonio Brown. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's move Agreed. on. Next up is Bills Mafia. Um, Bills walked away with a W this weekend, 44-34 to 34 against the Seahawks. Uh, I want to ask you guys, are Josh Allen and the Bills pretenders or contenders? Brent. I'll kick it over to I'm, you. I'm glad. I'm glad you're asking this. Yeah, I'm glad you're asking this question. Um, uh, I actually, in my my last week's fantasy football email to my group, uh, which I commission super well. I'm very good at it. I'm the best, actually, maybe the best of all time. Um, pretty much asked this exact. No question, one's done is, it better. Has has Josh Allen ever actually beat a good fucking football team like straight up? You know, with his own impressive performance. I'm not talking about, you know, passing for 170 yards and one touchdown while his defense takes care of business and, and beating someone. I'm talking about beating somebody. And uh, I would I would definitely say, finally, yes, that Josh Allen's Buffalo Bills have beaten somebody, um, you know, thanks to him. 
Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty surprised. I would have leaned towards pretender before this past week. I still think, obviously, you know, it, it is the NFL. Anybody can beat anybody at any given time. It's not necessarily reflective of, you know, what the Seahawks are or aren't at this point. I still think Russell Wilson's the best player in the NFL. I still think they're going to be in the, uh, the the NFC Championship game facing the Packers. Um, and I don't think this game mattered a whole lot, but but it did matter for the Bills. Um, and scoring 44 points, Seahawks are are not very good on defense currently, uh, looking a lot like the Patriots, um, just a team that's known for playing press coverage and and defending super well recently, and uh, you know not not doing that this year. Um, but Josh Allen looked good. Um, the funny thing is the the talk of the game is uh, quote unquote how how bad Russell Wilson was um, in a year that you know before this everyone was talking about him winning uh, MVP. And this is how this is how quote unquote bad Russell Wilson is. I'm, I, this is a bad game for the best player in the league. Twenty eight of forty one for three hundred ninety yards, two touchdowns and two picks. And obviously two picks are never good. But if you take even one of those away, that's most players' best game of the year. Um, and three hundred ninety yards. To pivot off touchdowns. of that, shakes. Allen went four hundred fifteen yards, three passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. So. And that yeah. that yeah, was no, no. I was about to, he was, was the first player he, in Bill's history, off. first player in Bill's history uh, with at least 400 passing yards, three touchdowns in a single game. Yeah. And and everyone, like you said, is focusing on Russ having a shit game when the, he wasn't very far off from a kid who had the best game of his career. <laughs> right. The difference is, obviously, uh, you know, uh, you, you, you throw three touchdowns and Wilson, Russell Wilson did have a rushing touchdown, by the way. But uh, as did Josh Allen. But yeah, I mean, you take away the, the two picks and, uh, you know, we're talking about similar games here and probably a, a different score as well. So anyways, uh, you know, good for the Bills. They are legit. Uh, obviously clear favorites in the AFC East this year and, uh, you know, going to be a dangerous outing for anyone in the playoffs. And, you know, if they get lucky, they've got a manageable schedule. Um, you know, they might they might be in the discussion for for home field advantage. Who knows? So, um, yeah, that, that was a big win for them. Pretender or contender? Uh, I think just by the default in their division, they are contenders. Um, when the Bills get into the playoffs, I think we'll see you know, that Josh Allen still isn't the quarterback that he's shaping up to be. I've been pretty critical on him. He had a hell of a game, but you know, cat's out of the bag. Seahawks defense is total garbage. So yeah. uh, it's good, but don't forget about the, the month-long stretch of regression that Josh Allen had been on beforehand, but it's, you know, it's good to see him have a get right game and I'm interested to see who are they play this week, this upcoming week. Uh, doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking look it up right now. Hang on one sec. Uh, Cardinals. So that's going to be a good game. Oh, all right. Yeah. Cardinals. Uh, and they're, they're obviously they're coming off a tough loss of their own uh, when the ball base, uh, the coach basically took the ball out of uh, Kyler Murray's hands there at the end. So that'll be a good game good game to watch well yeah let's talk about that so um defensive dolphins win this weekend 34 to 31 sneaking away with a victory against the cardinals um i'd like to ask you guys is miami's defense talented enough to continue their success and i'm not talking about in regular season but i'm talking about onward um you know in 2019, 2020, they were five and 11. So there's still time for them to tank. I think they're five and three right now. So, what are your thoughts, Harry? I'll kick it over to you. 
Uh, sorry, I was trying to get off mute. Um, I, I don't think the Dolphins should go to like tank mode, man. They're they're in a pretty good spot to maybe snag a wild card spot. I'm looking at the rest of their schedule. Tank mode, not tank mode, but like you know they've got they've got everything to play for right now, and everything's in front of them. I mean they've got, I mean what I would say is arguably one of the best defenses in the NFL. You know outside of of the obvious choice, which would be the Steelers in my book. Um, but they play the Chargers, which is not an easy game. That's this week, um, Sunday at four o'clock. But then they play like. Broncos, they play the Jets, they play the Bengals, they play the Pats. Um, I mean, there's no reason why they're five and three right now that they shouldn't finish the season because they do have to play the Chiefs, they do have to play the Raiders and the Bills, which are all tough games. I, I, there's no reason why they shouldn't finish 10 and six so, and, and snag a playoff spot. Um, I'm not super on the bandwagon of Tua right now. Um, I think he, he's played well enough to you know to to win two games here um but i think that defense is really carrying everything for them at the moment uh you know but two wins over the rams and the cardinals is is a really good start i think he'll start to gain confidence uh as as the season goes on um especially once he plays you know the jets and the Bengals, uh who have atrocious defenses and then they kind of have a a little bit of a tough stretch down the line um but I, i like I like the Dolphins, man. Um, they're a fun team to watch, and uh, yeah, I like them. Tom, what are um, your uh, thoughts on the shakes? What are you thinking about the Finns? Sorry, um, I, I've been excited to talk about the Dolphins uh, the entire night. Um, I will say, seriously, one week ago, um, especially considering his performance, uh, I was I was absolutely questioning the Dolphins' uh, decision to to you know call up Tua uh, and and sit Ryan Fitzpatrick on the bench. Um, but I, I guess after one, a better performance from Tua, Tua this week um, and two, a little time to think about it, it does make a little bit of sense. You know, it's like obviously what Ryan Fitzpatrick is is a known. And, um, you know, could you possibly, you know, finish above 500 and, and maybe sneak into the playoffs and lose in week one? Uh, yes, you could. Is that a successful season? I don't know, considering, you know, at, at a certain point they were sitting there at 500. And they're saying, hey, you know, we have a young quarterback who's as good or better as this guy right now. You know, who's scared of hurting this guy? You know, we're basically playing with house money. So let's put our young quarterback in. There's a chance our team gets even better than they are right now. And worst case scenario, we kind of continue on this path, you know, and it's a learning process for our quarterback. So I guess now I like the decision. Obviously, Tua shined a little bit. Um, He basically completed, I think, uh, you know, two thirds of his passes last weekend two touchdowns and and no picks and he had about 250 yards passing so he didn't exactly you know set the world on fire it didn't quite look like a Josh Allen stat line but uh he beat a, a very good upstart uh, Arizona Cardinals team he not only did he beat them beat them he beat them in a shootout uh he had to score 34 points to do it and he had to do that without two of his top three running backs so um obviously Miles Gaskin Jr. and Matt Breida both out and um I guess uh, who's who's the former bear there that uh, Jordan Howard, right? He was, or I guess Eagle. Um, he's the one that was uh, super unimpressive, scored one touchdown. But anyways, Tua, Tua did a lot of the work and he looked a lot better. The, he throws an awesome ball and he clearly has a rocket arm. He throws it on a laser. The one thing I really don't love about him is his footwork still just looks extremely underdeveloped. Uh, it looks like he's he's throwing without his feet set a lot. And he got away with some of that against the Cardinals, but I'm not sure he can do that against, uh, you know, some more ball hawking defenses. But still, uh, the Dolphins look strong. You know, the AFC East is not a given at this point. 
but they definitely have a good chance of sneaking in with the wild card spot. Tom, what are your final thoughts on the Dolphins before we wrap that up? Uh, I mean, they're sitting five and three, while Buffalo leads the division at seven and two. Uh, this is just—I mean, it's crazy to think about, but they are already, you know, back in contention. I think they're one game behind the Raiders for the sixth wild card spot or the sixth seed in the AFC playoffs. And uh, the NFL just came out today saying that they were going to plant or expand on the playoffs to eight teams per division uh, pending, you know, COVID. I think it, it, if, it all depends yeah, on if games get canceled. Correct. That's that's if games have to be rescheduled or, or rather canceled. Yeah. So uh, if there are any changes to to the 16 game record and or schedule, uh, yeah, the NFL is prepared to, to allow two more teams per conference into the playoffs. So just on, on the basis of that, um, Miami is definitely in contention. And if I'm Miami, I'm praying for a, you know one week to get canceled for COVID-related reasons. That's probably all they need. Um, it, it's weird that the NFL is coming out, and they're, they're kind of doing what the NBA did with the like play, play-in games, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, I would I would personally like to see more of a play-in game rather than just expanding, but you know, that's why everybody fucking hates Goodell, idiot. Big idiot. Um, all right, well that's all we got for the NFL. I think that's the perfect opportunity to close the night out. Harry, I'll kick it over to you to close us out with a buzzer beater. Uh, there's not not too much in the in the world of of. Uh... Jupiter, Florida right now going on, but I will say Miami Hurricanes are a top 10 team right now. Shakes, how you doing? Um, they go on to play Virginia Tech this Saturday at noon. You better believe I'll be watching that uh, while also channel flipping back and forth between that and moving day in Augusta. Um, I'm just I'm just very excited for Thursday and Friday. There's nothing better than just like sitting at work and having to screen up with the Masters coverage. <laughs> and uh, I am I'm not afraid to admit that. I, I talked to my manager today and was like, yeah, Thursday, like going to just sit on the couch, have the Masters on the TV, and I'll just kind of plug away on, on my computer. Um, so I'm just really happy about that. I hope everyone else is excited about that. And uh, that's my buzzer beater. Good night. <laughs> Good night. All right. Tommy, what do you got for us, kid? Uh, it was inked official today. The return of the notorious Conor McGregor is back. He'll be officially squaring off with Dustin Poirier at UFC 257. I don't, I don't know. One of these big events. Um, I think it's in mid-December. Uh, I can't wait for the return of Conor in their first bout. Conor knocked out Poirier in a minute and 45 seconds. So expect some more high-flying um, show Showtime antics from the biggest prize fighter of this generation. Where is that fight? Is it on Fight Island or is it in the I states? I think it. I think it's at Fight Island. All right, good to know. I'm not sure though. All right, well, I don't typically do this, but I'm going to throw out a buzzer beater, uh, basically for all of us, and I think the entire world, and that is rest in peace to the goat Alex Trebek. Uh, going to be a sad day without him up there hosting jeopardy i was talking about this earlier i don't really know Damn, who's yeah i don't know who's gonna replace him i think they should just end the show i don't think they will but like who do you put in there you know i saw some absolute just turd who 
had built strong rapport with Trebek uh, after being a you know big time winner on the show, and he's like, I think I should be the guy. I'm like, I think you're taking advantage of his death and trying to get some fucking airtime. So maybe shut up Dude. and we'll. Stephanopoulos, George Stephanopoulos was like, oh, like I'd be maybe interested in taking a spot. If George Stephanopoulos takes it, that show will tank. But also, like, nobody asked, right? Floor. Nobody wrote anything that said, hey, does anybody want this job now? No, nobody did. We're mourning the death of a my legend. Name into the hat. <laughs> I mean, look, if we're already, look, they've already gone ahead and done it. So it's, you know, better late I will than say now. one one guy's name I, I heard through the grapevine who is an ESPN, uh, he was an ESPN guy, has been for a long time, is Dan Patrick, who has said Dude, on this show yes. a number of times that he is a huge fan of Jeopardy and would it would be a dream of his to be able to host it one day. All right, wow. I like that. I would love that. D- just, Dan uh, Patrick is like, a, I mean, he's, he's just got the most soothing voice in like He really does. Radio, yeah. you know, and he's like a halfway funny guy. He's pretty hip, you know, for an old white man. He's pretty mm-hmm. hip. He's into cool shit. Uh, he would be he would be awesome, very similar to Alex Trebek in a lot of ways. He would be fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you guys as always for joining us here tonight. If you're not already, make sure to check us out on Twitter and on Instagram. We'll make sure to keep you entertained and educated. Additionally, you have to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify so that you stay up to date on our weekly released episodes. It was a pleasure, gentlemen, turning it over to Shakes to close us out. All right, y'all. Born today. Gotta be handy with the steel if you know what I mean. Ernie Keith. Warren G. He already knows. Later. It was a clear black night, a clear white moon. Warren G was on the streets trying to consume some skirts for the E so I could get some phones. Rolling in my ride, chilling all alone. Just hit the east side of the LBC on a mission trying to find Mr. Warren G. Seen a car full of girls, ain't no need to tweak. All of you search know what's up with 213. So I hooked select on 21 and Lewis. Some brothers shooting dice, so I said, let's do this. I jumped out the rock and said, what's up? Some brothers put some gas, so I said, I'm since these girls peeping me, I'ma glide and swerve These hookers looking so hard, they straight hit the curve Want to bigger, better things than some horny tricks I see my homie and some suckers all in his mix I'm getting jacked, I'm breaking myself I can't believe they taking more and 12 They took my rings, they took my Rolex I looked at the brother, said, damn, what's next? They got my homie hemmed up and they all around Can't none of them see him if they going straight down for pound They wanna come up real quick before they start to clown I best pull out my strap and lay them busters down They got guns to my head, I think I'm going down I can't believe it's happening in my own town If I had wings, I would fly, let me contemplate I glance in the cut and I see my homie Nate Sixteen in the clip and one in the hole Nate Dog is about to make some bodies turn cold Now they dropping and yelling, it's a tad bit late Nate Dog and Warren G had to regulate Same track. Back up, back up, cause it's on N-A-T-E and me. 
the woman to the G. Just like I thought they were in the same spot in need of some desperate help. The Nate Dogg and the G Child were in need of something else. One of them names was sexy as hell. I said, ooh, I like 